0: Hey, this is Jason Hubbard and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. Okay? Okay, now let's, uh, let's get ready to dig into the word today so you can get your Bibles. Excuse me, wow. That squid that I had for breakfast is coming up. Um, I didn't have squid for breakfast. It's just fun to say. Uh, so, you can grab your Bibles, pens, notebooks. Uh, you can also text OLC notes to 94,000 and get those to your phone. And then you can fill in the blanks and, uh, and go through. And we are going to jump back into Romans today. How many of you have been enjoying Romans? Awesome. How many of you have maybe learned something new that you're like, I didn't know that before. That's a totally different thought. Like, I, okay, good, good. Hopefully it's a thought-provoking series, but hopefully it's something that's just building your faith and, and what God wants to speak to you, um, too. Um, I, I'll share something here, because I know this, this question has come up a little bit. Um, and so I just, just to kind of give a, a preface, and then I'm going to pray and dig into the Word. Um, there's, there's so much in these chapters. <laughs> you, you could literally spend forever on one chapter. Like they're, they're so deep and they're so rich. And I've had a couple of people ask, you know, hey, so you did this chapter, but you didn't, you didn't go into this, this particular topic within the chapter. Or maybe there was this piece of it that, that didn't make it in. And um, I, I want you to know just kind of how I'm approaching and how Ellie is approaching this, because it is impossible to do every chapter justice. And what I'm trying to do in this series is to give a synopsis of every chapter and the focus of every chapter and how it fits into this big narrative of the letter that, that Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And so with that, there isn't always going to be the covering of everything that is in the chapter. I wish we could. We would, you know, we could spend our lives in Romans 8 and then we would be called the Romans 8 church, you know, and, 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 and then people, do they ever talk about anything else, you know? No. Um, Um, but, but, uh, the, the approach to this is that we're, we're not going to be able to cover every little thing. And the other piece of that is what I'm really trying to do is prayerfully go to the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want us to get out of this chapter in this moment in this season? And so very much a lot of it is saying, okay, this is, man, there's so much here. God, what do you want our focus to be in this area today? And through prayer and the Holy Spirit, it's, it's defining and understanding what that is. So just to give an understanding of a little bit why we don't go into an, an in-depth view of every topic that's covered in these chapters, it would be impossible to do justice to everything. And we're trying to really be spirit-led as far as what the Spirit is doing in our church for this moment and what these things is that he's wanting to speak to us, okay? So hopefully that gives a little bit of understanding because I know that there's, you know, you can go back and read it and be like, wow, he didn't even talk about that, you know, and, and probably in the future, there will be time for that. And so um, just, just where that kind of comes from. Okay. Does that sound good? Just give a little bit of, you might not have even thought about that and you're like, Oh, that's that's interesting. Um, But there you go. All right, let's pray and dig into the word. Jesus, we love you so much and thank you for this time to be in the word. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint this time. I pray that this would be a time focused on you where we would learn, we would hear, we would grow. And father, we love you so much. I thank you for this group of people that are hungry for you, that are hungry for your word, that are hungry for your presence. And I pray that you would reveal yourself to every single person here, that you would speak to every single person here. Let this not just be words that I'm saying, but let it be a words that would impact life. And not because of anything I'm saying, but Lord, let your word be the thing that goes forward. Your word that goes forward and brings life. Your word that brings strength into people. And so we pray for that today as we dig into the word today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, how many of you have kind of read forward and kind of gone through these chapters maybe ahead of time that, that we've we processed through? Any, anybody doing that where you kind of Okay, this is, this is the chapter we're doing this weekend, so I'm going to read it just to kind of get familiar. How many you are doing it? This isn't a requirement, so it's, you know, uh, everyone's, ah. Uh, I ask a lot of those questions. I probably need to change how I ask the questions. Um, what you'll find is if you did look at Romans 9 and also Romans 10 and 11, you're going to notice something very specific about what Paul is, is saying and who he's talking to because Romans 9, 10 and 11 are specifically geared to and focused on his brothers and sisters. Now if we remember this about Paul, we know that his brothers and sisters are who? The church. the church, yes. Specifically in these chapters he is talking about a bloodline piece here and he's talking about the Jews. So chapters 9, 10, and 11 are actually written specifically to the Jews because of some specific things that the Jews were actually wrestling with in this new life that Paul was introducing. You have to understand that for the the Jews, what Paul was introducing into their life was a complete, different, opposite way of thinking that they had ever thought about before. He was introducing this life of, of faith. He was introducing this life of, of salvation and justification. He was introducing this new way of thinking with the idea that Jesus was the one that fulfilled the law. And they, that was a totally new concept. That was a paradigm shift for them. And so in these specific chapters, he's going to be actually addressing the Jews specifically because there were some specific things that the Jews were wrestling with in this new life. But the thing that I also recognize as I read this is even though these are written to the Jews, and this is actually something that we use in in, in translating scripture into our lives. The Jews were the original audience that he was speaking to. However, every word of scripture is written for us. It's written for us to learn and to grow. And so we're, as we're going through, and even Paul's, Paul's message here is yes to the Jews, but to the bigger church at large. You guys got it right when you said that what Paul, who Paul is addressing is the church. And he's addressing this, this bigger picture here because he's trying to address some things that affect both Jew and Gentile, things that both of these people groups would wrestle with as they step into this new life in Christ this new life that he's revealing. And so, um, so, so this is absolutely something that as we read it, we read some of the, the verbiage of what he's saying is, spe- is speaking to a specific people group. But it is absolutely speaking to our lives today, and we get something out of it because we are part of the church. We are now one person in Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, there's the church. And Paul writes about this in, in Romans and in Galatians, and so we can read it with this kind of a thought, right? Now, the thing about this, though, is what we never want to do is discount or discard the Jewish nation and the, 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 what God has in store. Because they're very, very close to his heart. The Jewish people hold a very, very close place to God's heart. He has a plan for them. He has a purpose for them. He revealed to them the law. We're gonna see some of the scripture that Paul talks about. And so as we talk about it, there's an importance to what God is speaking through Paul to this people group that then also is applied to us that we can also glean and we can learn and we can grow as we're now this new, we are the church under the body, or as the body of Christ, okay? So this is how we process. Now, this is where the Jewish people were coming from, and this is also where we are coming from, okay? So, in the middle of this new life that Paul is laying out for us that we're supposed to step into, it's the transition to a spirit-filled life. But for some, this is really hard. It's really hard to be able to actually process to this place of understanding the full impact of the power of the cross in our lives that, that, that literally frees us from, from our past and, and frees us f- from works and, and frees us from this way of living. This this thing that Paul is saying, that he's saying, listen, there's this spirit-filled life when when you have faith in Jesus, there is a new life that is given to you by the spirit that enables you to live in a completely different way. But it's really, really easy for us, though, to gravitate back to some of the things we know. It's really easy for us, as we come to know the Lord, and as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, to understand that, yeah, it's, it's faith in Jesus, and it's faith in the work of the cross, and it's faith in the shed blood of Jesus, and those are the things that free me, and those are the things that save me, but yet, if I, if I do these things, I think, I, I think that I'll, I'll be a better Christian if I do these things, so we wrestle with this, right? Right? This is something that we all have to be able to do in our life. And so it's in this, this tension that Paul's now talking to us and he's saying, listen, I know you're transitioning into a new way of thinking, a new way of life, but there is a propensity to be drawn back to what you knew before, drawn back to old lifestyles, drawn back to old mindsets, to be pulled back into some of these things that you knew before Christ. And he gives us encouragement about how to move forward. Paul's going to address two things in the Jews. One is he's going to address those who had started to fall back into a reliance on their family blood. There was a lot of talk around this that, that there was, some, as they started to step forward into the spirit-filled life and this new life with Christ, that, that, that some had started to go, yeah, but, but but I'm part, of, I'm part of the family line of Abraham, the natural bloodline family of Abraham, so, so, so I'm, I'm good, I'm good. And with that came an adherence to the law, to the rituals, to the religion that had been established. And all this is really talking about is this. Anytime you and I start to step forward in the things that God has for us, to start to live in the freedom that was provided by Jesus through the cross. Anytime it's there, there is an enemy that tries to continue to keep you bound into what you were before tries to keep you bound into your own lifestyles. Try to keep you bound into a shame-based living where you start to kind of keep track of everything you do to make sure that you don't do the wrong things and you do all the right things. And when you do do the wrong things, because we all do them, then there's shame and there's guilt that comes into our lives. Jesus died on the cross to free us from those things. He died on the cross so that shame and guilt and condemnation have no more place in your life. But I'm telling you that the enemy will come to your life and tell you, yeah, that's nice, but you really messed this one up. Oh, maybe I'm not as good of a person as I I thought I was. You know how you treat people just, it really isn't that nice. Oh. You know, you had that sin area in your life that you always wrestled with, and guess what? Jesus, woohoo, the sin is still there. You start to get bound back into these old things. Remember what Paul talks about. He talks about how the law was not wrong, there was nothing wrong with the law, it was what sin did to it. Same thing is true in our lives. Sin wants to bind us into the way that we were before Christ. Does that make sense, okay? So this is what's going on. Now, Paul has a lot of authority to be able to speak to the situation because he is a Jew, right? And, and as a Jew, he was able to process through with them because in the gravitation back to a natural family line or adherence to ritual and all of this kind of things, he was able to actually speak to it because he understood it. He lived in that life. Praise God for Paul. Paul, who had all of this history and had the family line and had all of this knowledge and the revelation of Jesus that now was enabled by his voice to be able to speak truth to a cultural situation. Can I tell you something? This is another thing that I believe that God has an anointing on each one of us is to be those that carry the truth of scripture, the truth of God into a culture that is counter everything that we believe. And what I'm saying is this is because a lot of the things that Paul talks about, either in this moment or what he's challenging the Gentiles in, it's counterculture. But Paul is given the ability and the authority of the Holy Spirit to speak into those things, even though they're the opposite of what a lot of people automatically expect. I believe that the people of God are meant to be equipped with the word of God and the ability to speak truth into the darkness to speak truth into culture, that we are to be equipped with the word of God on our tongue and with the Holy Spirit in our hearts, that we go forward and we start to shape culture because of God working through us. I believe that for every single one of you, and I believe it for myself that when we leave these doors on Sunday, we just don't walk back into a normal life and and a normal routine and normal everything. No, we go forward knowing I've got the truth. The truth has set me free and now I'm gonna carry the truth with me in order to help other people be free as well. And Paul gives us this ability of understanding all of these dynamics that are at play and how to have truth in this. Now, one important note that I just want to say, because, because this is, this is I actually find this really, really cool. Paul, even after his conversion experience, was still 100% Jew. And he adhered to, to the, the, the festivals, and he adhered to all of these things that he did. But here's the difference. He understood that none of that saved him. What they became and what Paul was talking about is everything that the Jews had given to them, these beautiful gifts that God poured out to the Jewish people that were gifts became analogies of a spiritual reality. And so Paul continued to live in this, but he said, listen, it's not those things that save me. It's the cross that saves me. But now as I live these things out, I realize they all point to the cross anyway, it was really, really cool, and there, there's a there's a cool little book, and I forget the title of it. So there's a winning pastor moment. <laughs> Come find me, and I'll tell you I'll tell you the name. But it's a cool little book, and what it does is it goes through each of the festivals that the Jewish nation celebrates, and shows how we see Jesus inside of each one of those. That's the power of that culture and that tradition and everything that was passed down from generation to generation. Because as we remember, we start to look forward and go, man, and look what Jesus did. Right. Look how Jesus is woven into every part of this. So Paul was absolutely about these things, but understanding that they didn't save it. Now, he begins this section of, of this book with a, a, a yearning. And, and a, a heart that is, that is full of longing for his people to once again be free to live out who they really are in Christ Jesus. To have a full understanding of the power of the work of the cross in their life. He, he, you, can, you can see in these opening verses the, the pleading in Paul's heart for people to step into their true identity and step into the identity of what the cross provided. The first five verses say this of Romans nine, I speak the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. They are the Israelites. And get this, this is what's so cool. And to them belong adoption, Glory, covenants, the law, the temple service, and the promises, the ancestors are there. And from them, by the way, through physical descent, came Christ, who is God over all. Praise forever. Amen. Paul, Paul's heart is, oh, you guys, I wish, I wish that you could experience this freedom and I would do whatever it takes so that you would not be bound by your previous life. That you wouldn't be bound by the things that can hold you back from stepping into this new life and this freedom that God has. There's a yearning in his heart. And, and, and all of that sounds great. And then he goes into verse six and he says something that just confuses everybody. On the contrary, your offspring will be traced through Isaac, that is... It is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but the children of the promise are considered to be the offspring. Full, uh, oh, yeah. No, I'm going. I'm going down. I'm moving on. Never mind. Just it's fine. I'm all good. I'm, I'm all good. I'm good. So he talks about this being a a child of the promise. Spiritual. The spiritual Jewish nation came from the fulfillment of God. Through a miracle, baby, and this is what he's talking about. The the the, the descendants that he's talking about. Some would say, well, if and this is some of the argument that was going around in the Jewish people. Okay, we're we're the we're the sons of Abraham, right? And and so we've got we've got all this. And he goes, well, no, actually, it's the child of the the descendants of the child of the promise. Who's he talking about? Isaac. Abraham had three sons. Right? So it's Isaac. So then there becomes this thing where it's like, well, well, we're the descendants of Isaac then, you know, like, okay, great. We've got this, this lineage thing down, but Paul's going to come and he's going to say something that upturns the whole thing because he's trying to get to their hearts. And this is what he says. And this actually goes back to Romans two. This is where he's going to ruffle feathers. For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly. True circumcision is something visible in the flesh, in the heart. On the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is of the heart by the spirit, not the letter. That a person's praise is not from people, but from God. So what's he saying? Listen. It's about faith. It's about your faith. It's about being the the spiritual descendants of Abraham because of the faith that he had in a promise to come. Now, here's the the amazing thing about Abraham, and I know I'm I'm, I'm going deep and I'm going somewhere, but I'm going to pull it together, I promise. I promise. Just, Just stick with me. Abraham as he stepped into this season of faith, believing a promise that was going to be fulfilled by God that he had no way of of, of fulfilling on his own. And what took place is that the promise and, and the spiritual descendants of Abraham that would come would come through the birth of a miracle baby. Now, think about our lives here the only hope that we have for our lives is because there is a promise that was made by God that was fulfilled in the miracle of a baby. Faith in this promise that God was going to lay out and that he did lay out in a miracle that was going to take place and a miracle that was going to transform history is the same exact thing that is in our hearts Today, And it's in this that Paul unifies everything and goes, hey, listen, it's faith in the miracle and not what you can do in the natural. Whether you are a national Jew or whether you are a Gentile the belief in the fulfilled promise of God that there was a miracle baby. And, and, and as we look forward, and this is what he does, he paints this picture to point everything now towards Christ. He says, as you look to Christ, there was a miracle baby that grew. And, and as he grew, he lived a perfect and sinless life, sacrificed, died on a cross, shed his blood for your sins, and rose again, conquering the death and the grave. And it's because of that miracle that we, have life yeah, so Paul's saying listen this is what's so beautiful about this and he's ca- he's doing all this to remind people again listen it's not about your natural family line it's about your your spiritual family line of faith right. this is the most important thing so then we understand this and Lane I'm skipping down a little bit salvation is you can put this, this statement up. Here we go. Salvation is dependent on faith in the miracle of Jesus and not what is natural. Not as what is natural. Okay. Everyone, everyone good? Yes. Everyone understanding what I'm saying? Okay. I'm going to keep, keep going on this here, okay? Because this is the thing that Paul always comes back to here. And, and, and remember, he, he himself is a national, uh, natural Jew, and so he's also imploring his people. He's saying, guys, come on, come on. There's so much more. There's freedom, there's grace, there's forgiveness in the cross and all this. There, there, there doesn't have to be a reliance on these other things because you've been adopted into a new family. You're part of a new family. You're part of a new family line because of Jesus Christ, and you're, you're now sons and daughters of this faith, and he's imploring us and inviting us into this kind of a relationship with God. So, so, okay, there's point number one is that the Jewish people were, were they were looking back on the natural family line to provide salvation for their life when Paul says, no, actually what it is is it's your, it's your spiritual family line of faith that is descended from Abraham, okay? So he does that, okay? So he's making this very, very clear picture. He says, do not get confused here. That's great that you're a natural descendant, but, but are you a spiritual descendant? Okay? So, so this, is what, this is what he's going for here. Okay? Now, here's the second thing that then the Jews were wrestling with. And this one is actually a little easier for us to be able to comprehend. But what was happening is there was, there was the, the, the return to law, to tradition, to ritual, to religion... And the, the stepping into that and replacing salvation through the cross with that again, going back to old lifestyle, going back to old ways of thinking, going going back to to something that, that they had lived under before. Right. And, and, and there was in this 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 drawing away and there was this thing that Paul was like, listen, the, I. I want you to be aware of the enemy's techniques that tries to dilute the water and confuse things and keep you from living in your full identity in him, in in Christ. And so he's imploring them to be able to do this. Now, here's a couple of things to just keep in mind when when we think about this and how it applies to our lives. Number one is that it's really easy to gravitate back to reliance on what we can do and what we can control. Okay, I want you to think about it in your life. It's really easy to go, well, if I do A, B, C, D, then E will happen. But what have we learned through Romans? There's no way we can do A, B, C, or D to get to E. Like we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no way that we can have enough of these things that add up to this life of perfection that the law was wanting. There's, there's, there's no way, but yet it's really easy to go back. Why? Because it's quantifiable. It's right there. It's flesh. These are the things that make sense. I can do this and this will happen. Faith is a step going. I have no control. It's literally all on Jesus. All I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, I put my faith in you. That you died on the cross for my sins, and that you shed your blood, and that it really did pay the price for my sins. Okay, that feels a lot more risky than going back, going well. But if I if I if I live according to the Ten Commandments, yeah, I, I can do that. I could do that. No, we can't do that. No. There's, try holding just one of the Ten Commandments, right? There's, there's no way to even obey one of the Ten Commandments 100% of the time. It's, it's this faith. It's this stepping forward, right? What happens is, is, is as we get stuck into patterns of ways of thinking and things that we've gotten stuck into before and old mindsets and old patterns before Christ, what, what happens is that we end up creating a little bit of our own gospel, which leads to a religiosity, and this is what Paul was addressing back in chapter one. Saying, listen, it's not, it's, it's not about the things that you're doing. The things that you do and the way that you live your life will be a result of the faith in Jesus and this spirit-filled life that enables you to live different. Right. That's right, yeah. So, so it's, not, it's not like, yeah, just do all the right stuff. Come on, get it together. It's no, no, no. My faith is in Jesus. And now there's an outworking of that. I'm being changed, I'm being transformed. No longer am I being conformed to this world, but I'm being transformed by the renewal of my mind. Like God's actually doing a work in me that is a result of my faith. This is something I realize, and see if you relate to this, that so many times in our lives, We can so easily gravitate back to old patterns, mindsets, um, ways of thinking, even ways of thinking towards Christianity and God and salvation. We can get so stuck back and we get into what was comfortable and familiar, even if those things are actually the things that are killing us. We all realize this in our life. We all have destructive behaviors and patterns in our life. We all have things that we get stuck into. We all have ways of living. We all have these things that we can identify as like this, this kind of a lifestyle, this kind of thing is not good for me. Or if we take it to salvation, if I just continue to try to earn my salvation and if I continue to try to do my own works, then, then it's going to earn salvation. No, that's actually going to lead to death because everything leads there if the cross is not the center point of it. Right. And so this is, this is where we have to be very, very careful right? We can easily slide back into this. I was talking to Trevor. Trevor plays bass up here sometimes this week. And he's got a little boy. And his little boy is the cutest little boy. And he was telling me this story about, you know, they were they were praying this week and they were doing their evening prayers. And, uh, you know, Dax will, will pray and be like, you know, uh, uh, Jesus, I just pray that you would come on my heart. And, you know, just does that makes sense. Um, so, you know, just praying through all of this and, and everything. And then one night they got into this conversation and, and Dax was like, yeah, um, what does Jesus actually do? And, and Trevor was like, well, he, he died on the cross to take away your, your sins. And Dax goes, but I, but I like those sins. I want them so innocent like why is jesus taking them from me like i don't want anything taken from me now as funny as that is how many of you could maybe relate sometime i want those things i i want those ways of living i'm comfortable with them i like them it's real on this journey and this transition to living a spiritual life free because of the power of the cross, there's things that we just we get comfortable in. We've gotten used to living. Maybe there's a certain sin pattern in life that we've just gotten really comfortable with and it's just the way it is. What if we were to let the Holy Spirit come and say, no, I, I want to do a work on that. Right. Yeah. See, you don't, you don't have to be Bound to that addiction. Right. You, you, you don't have to be bound to that mindset. You, you don't have to be derailed by these things. Right. There, there was a miracle that took place over 2,000 years ago that made it possible for you to be free of those things. Right. The enemy doesn't like that. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you hear what I'm saying? The next thing we realized, too, is Israelites, Israel's well-laid-out structure. They had an amazing structure in their religion and the way that they did things on a day-to-day basis. It didn't accomplish what needed to be done in the heart. There's a big difference between doing things to try to earn something or doing things because you're empowered to do them because of, because of Christ in you. We can't get the cart before the horse, we have to understand what empowers this life of transformation that we had. They had an incredible system set up, if you think about it. It was, it was amazing. But still, the heart connection wasn't there. Again, in Romans 4, or Romans 9, verse 4, it says that the Israelites, this is what they had. They had the adoption, the glory, the, the covenants, the law, the temple, the promises, the ancestors. Like, everything was there. They had it all. But yet, why did that not Grab a hold of their hearts. Why doesn't external things grab a hold of our hearts? Why do we go through the motions over and over again, thinking, you know what, if I just do the same things in life and I keep doing these things, eventually, there's going to be a change. And we can get stuck in patterns. I am not meaning this to be condemnational in any way, but I do think that it is really important for us to understand where maybe our walk with God has become based off of the things we do rather than the relationship with him. Too often, our heart can be totally removed from our day-to-day life towards God. And so my my challenge and my encouragement as your pastor is to say, let's learn from what Paul is speaking to us through Romans, to not let our heart be far from God in the way that we live for him. Let's make sure that those two things are together. They're together, they work together. Isaiah 29 is a very sobering passage where God talks to the people, his people, and he says this, these people, approach me with their speeches to honor me with a nasty little word, lip service. Yet their hearts are far from me and human rules direct their worship of me. uh, God's saying this to his people. like The hearts aren't even there. But not only that, he goes one step further in Malachi. He says this, you also say, look, what a nuisance. These sacrifices and all of these things, this is a nuisance. And they scorned it and they say to the, Lord, to the Lord's armies, you've, you've stolen the, 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 the lame and the sick animals. You bring those as an act of an offering and I'm, am I supposed to accept that from your hands? Your hearts are far from me and the things you do are empty and you actually see them as a nuisance and an annoyance to living life now that that's pretty strong language from God so 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 here's what we can learn from this because I'm telling you what our hearts wander all the time my heart wanders all the time have you ever been in a place where you're like one day you are on fire for God and it's like everything in you is, is in the word and is for Christ and is the Holy Spirit is speaking. And the very next day you wake up and you go, am I even saved? <laughs> like it's a wrestle. It, it's a wrestle. Why? Because our hearts wander. And if you look at our world today, there's a lot of things that our hearts can wander towards. Right. I mean, before you even think about it, I mean, you jump on social media for two seconds and then you're like, what? I... I try to use social media to try to connect and stay connected with people's lives, you know, cause that's where people's lives are. Um, and so, you know, just, just trying to, to get into people's lives and it's totally, totally the real authentic version of people's lives too. I totally get this. This is why it's a flawless tool for a pastor. Um, but you go on there and within two seconds, you even forget what you were even doing. You're so distracted by everything else. You're like, well, this is not helping anything, right? Our hearts wander. They, they, they go so fast. The third thing on your notes, religious ritual is not a substitute for a living sacrifice, it's not a substitute for living sacrifice. Now, if you're here and visiting, and you're, you're newer to One Life, and maybe you're just checking this church out, and now you're like, wait, they're going to do living sacrifices? Like, this is, this is really weird. Just hold on for a second. Hold on. This is not, not, not going to get weird. No. Romans 12 talks about this. Paul says, and we're gonna get there in a few weeks. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. What is a living sacrifice? It is a life that with everything inside of me worships God, lives for him, has my heart set on him. Does it mean I live a perfect life? No. But does it mean that my heart is set on him. God is after the heart. I want you to know today that in your life, God is after your heart, your affection towards him. Not what you can do for him, not the role that you play in any way, shape, or form. He's looking for your heart. Paul's address to the Jewish people in this chapter is the same exact thing. God is after your heart. There's an example in the Bible of somebody who God says was after his heart. It was a man named David. We know that David was the greatest kings of Israel, family line of Jesus, an amazing man, started as a shepherd boy out in the field. But this is some of the stuff that that is said of David. Acts 13 says this. After removing him, Saul, speaking of the predecessor of David, he raised up David as their king and testified about him. This is God speaking about David. I have found David, the son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart who will carry out my will. I, I... I hope in my life, and I would hope that this would be true in your life too, that what we would love to hear is God saying, there is Jason, a man after my own heart. Insert your name. Not all of you saying that about me. I mean, you could, I don't care. Can God look at your life and say, there is somebody who is after my heart? First Samuel, when Samuel is coming to anoint David, says this, but the Lord said to Samuel, Don't look on the appearance or his stature, because I've rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. The Lord sees the heart. I understand keeping your heart engaged is really hard to do. Keeping our hearts focused on God is, is, is really hard to do. And then Jeremiah tells us this really cool little verse in verse, uh, chapter 17, verse nine. The heart is more deceitful than anything else. Well, great. <laughs> my heart is prone to wander and it's deceitful. I can't even win. But yet God's after my heart but my heart is deceitful, but yet he wants my heart, but my heart wanders like, ah, I can't win. (laughs) But this is what I realize. When our hearts wander, God is faithful to call us back and give us another chance to repent and turn to him. It's not about whether you live this perfect Christian life because I have news for you. There's no perfect Christian life. But it's if our hearts can return when they have wandered. You might be listening here today to my voice and you might be in one of these wandering seasons in your life. I want you to know that that's part of our journey of faith. Wrestling with these things trying to, to figure all of this out. And what does it mean to live by faith and not walk by sight? Like, what, what does this, all of this mean? How am I supposed to do this? And, and my heart is drawn in all of these different places. This is a part of what it means to grow in spiritual maturity and in faith. This is a part of life that we have to understand. But there is always a drawing by God to be able to turn to him. And to have repentance, or for us to have repentance and forgiveness from Him. Now, here's the cool thing God wants our heart, He desires our heart. Our heart is deceitful, it wanders, goes away. But yeah, God wants our heart. But it wanders and goes away. But He wants our heart. So what does He do? God comes to give us a new heart. He says, I get. Your natural heart isn't inclined to follow me. I get it. It's really not. But I'm gonna give you a heart that will. Ezekiel 36, 36 has this promise. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. How many of you are just thankful that God does that in our lives? When our heart wanders, he's the one that comes and says, hey, I'm going to give you a heart to follow me. Yes. What I want is your heart. So I'm going to give you a heart that will follow me. Whoa. So, so what do I have to do? Love me? Put your faith in me? That I'm working on your behalf? That I'm doing something good in your life? Right. Believe that, that, that when you put your faith in the work of the cross, that it was not only a work of salvation, but it was also a work of sanctification. Believe in me that I'm still, to, to, to him, not me, but believe in him that he is doing a good work in your heart and he who has begun a good work in you will fulfill it into the completion of your faith. Believe that he is doing something in your life, that he is doing a transformation, that there is a change taking place in your life and that that heart is new that can turn to him. Yes. What a beautiful promise. Yeah, right? So what do we do? Now the practical steps as we close. What do we do then when we realize our hearts have wandered, our hearts have maybe gotten a little cold, For whatever reason, these things have just, there's been things that have pulled us away. Maybe we've gotten distracted. Maybe we've gotten pulled back into some old mindsets. Maybe we've gotten back, worked back into like a works based faith and a works based salvation. And and maybe we floated back there. What happens when, when God is desiring us to move back to Him with our hearts? What happens? He gives us a new heart. But how do we actually receive this heart? Three very simple things for you. The first of them is this seek. Seek. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, you will seek me and you will what? Find me. When you search for me with all your heart. So when we realize that our hearts have wandered, the first thing we do is everything inside of us seeking God, seeking after him. God, my heart has gone cold. Where are you? Where are you? I need you. I need your presence. I need your filling. Lord, where are you? And we seek for him in scripture. We open the word of God and we, we read it and we, and we let it pour over our lives and pour into our lives. We start to worship because worship stirs up this connection with our hearts and his heart. We start to do these things that cause us to be able to seek him. And as we seek him, the second thing that happens is he illuminates in us areas where we need to repent. Mindsets and thought processes that we've slipped into that he comes and he says, listen, there's something here that is drawing your heart away. And for you, what I'm looking for you to do is will you have the understanding to repent of those things and turn back to the Lord? Acts 3.19 says this, therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins can be wiped out. We seek the Lord. And when we find the Lord, which is a promise, he shows us areas where we need to repent and churn. And then the last piece is we do this. We wait. We wait. We are in so much hurry as a society and as a culture. We want everything right now. Come on, God, I want this new heart. I got to get this new heart so that we can just keep going. I got, I got stuff to do. No. Will we have the ability as God's people to wait and allow him to do the work in our hearts? Not to put a time frame on it, not to put an expectation on what it looks like, but to say, okay, God, here I am. And I don't even know how long it's going to take but I'm going to wait and I'm going to wait for you because those who seek the Lord find the Lord those who repent and churn receive forgiveness and Isaiah 40 verse 31 those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength seems like some really cool promises that God has for us. So what's Paul telling us? He's saying, guys, listen. I know. I know your hearts want to wander, regardless of who you are. I know your hearts want to wander. And I know that they want to be pulled back to these other things. But God's got a new heart for you in this place. To move forward in him. As we get ready to close today. I, I wonder if there would be some people in this place. And I'm not going to do anything to embarrass or, or anything like that. I wonder if there would be people in this place that would maybe identify in their life. Or maybe their heart has gotten a little cold. Or wandered a little bit. That maybe if you take gauge of your life and where you're at right now, you want you you understand, you know what? My passion for God, my zeal for God, my heart for God, kind of been pulled to a different direction. If you're in that place today, I've got amazing news for you. That when we seek the Lord, He you He will be found, and when we return. We will experience the favor of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, the the presence of the Lord in our lives. When our hearts wander and we come back to the Lord, there's no condemnation. Father God is not looking at your life going, it's about time you figured it out. No, there's none of that. It's, It's the prodigal son story where the father looked down the road just straining to see his son that was coming back. And then what did he do? Booked it. If you're here this morning and maybe your heart has gotten just in a little bit cold, weighty, wandered, drawn away, the weights and and, and maybe just the pressures of this world, anxiety, fear, all of these things that have just weighed you down. I want to pray over you today that there is a breaking off of that. And that God does, not in a weird way, but does a surgery on your heart to put a soft heart, a heart that is after him, Why don't you just close your eyes for a second? Lord, I, I I realize and I know that you see every person here in this room. You see where we're at in our walk with you. You 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 see, even too, the desire to follow you, to live for you, to be free of sin, to be free of shame and free of all of these things. Lord, you also see those that that has been a wrestle. You see where the hearts have maybe gone cold. You see where the hearts have gotten distracted. You see where the hearts have wandered. And Father, I pray right now that you would come with the love of the Father to come and pour out your love upon your people. And that once again, you would revive our hearts, that you would come and, and that you would breathe fresh life into our hearts. And the Lord today, that there would be, once again, just a drawing to who you are. Lord I pray that where there have been those areas where we've maybe gotten stuck into old patterns and thinking and mindsets. Lord, today, we as a people, because this applies to all of us, we repent of those things. We repent of the areas that have got us bound. We repent of the areas that have caused us and, and guided our heart away from you. We repent of these things that have hardened our hearts. And Lord, today, we receive your spirit of life inside of each one of us. Lord, I pray you breaking off of any weight that is holding people down, a relational weight, a pressure, a job situation, financial strain, a a physical thing, a, a health thing, a crisis that is going on in life, fear and anxiety that plagues people. I ask right now in the name of Jesus that there would be a breaking off of those right now. That, Father, where there has been a binding up of the heart and a binding up of the mind and the spirit and all of these things and the weights that we carry, Lord, I ask that you would come right now to lift those things off of your people. I ask right now for clear air space in the name of Jesus, clear heart space in the name of Jesus. And today, as as the, the pastor, as the shepherd of this church, I push back. The principalities and the powers of darkness, I don't push them back, but I pray that the spirit of God would push them back today over your people and that today every single person here would have a sound mind and a sound heart, a peace that surpasses all understanding, that there would be something that comes in to push back every lie of the enemy on lives, that there would come to push back any condemnation and shame and guilt that would rest upon your people today. Lord, we recognize that those are not things that come from you and not things that come from your spirit. And so I pray a breaking off of those today. Lord, I pray that there would be a clarity of mind and a clarity of heart in the spirit today. An enemy, we just say, by the power of the name of Jesus, you have no place. You have no place. Father, just just overwhelm your people with love. Just overwhelm your people with love. One final thing and then we close. If you're here and maybe your heart is hard today in this place or you find yourself far from God because you haven't had the opportunity to give your life to Christ, to put your faith in him as your Lord and Savior, and you feel like there's this this eternal distance between you and him, I want you to know that he's right here. Right here. And today, you can have relationship with the creator of the universe who loves you so much that he sent his son to die, to shed his blood so that you can be forgiven. The Bible says that when you believe in your heart, when you have faith in your heart that he is Lord, and when you believe that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. If you're here today and you are far from God and you want to come close to God to receive the forgiveness to put your faith in the miracle of Jesus, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to do that. What we're gonna do is we're gonna pray one prayer here today all together as a family and the reason we do that is because we are a family and we're in this together. And if you're far from God but you wanna come close to him today and receive that forgiveness for your heart, I want you to pray this prayer with faith, which simply means you just believe that the words you say are connected to something inside of you that is going to bring freedom and transformation to your life. Repeat this after me. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you were born by a miracle, that you lived a sinless life, that you died on the cross and shed your blood for my sins. And today I make you the Lord of my life. I put my faith in you. You are my savior, you are my God. I draw near to you today. I come near to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to come and live in my heart. I love you, and I thank you for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen.